What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, folks. Jeremy here. We are back from a short little hiatus. We hope you missed us as much as we missed you. And to kick things off, we are coming back with an episode that I really loved. We sat down with Chad Braverman, the chief operating officer, or is it chief operations officer? I'm going to have to look that up. Um, regardless, the COO of Doc Johnson. And if you aren't familiar with Doc Johnson... Um, your private parts probably are. <laughs> if you've used a sex toy in the last, oh, I don't know, 30 years or so. Uh, Doc Johnson is the world's largest and most influential adult pleasure product company. We talked to Chad about uh, running a family business and uh, what that's all about. Uh, we talk about uh, some of the fun parts of running a, an operation like Doc Johnson, uh, some of the stressful parts. And uh, and all things sex toys, really. Uh, really great conversation. We loved uh, Chad. He is a really rad dude, and we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Enjoy it, and we'll see you all on the other side. Well, uh, this is going to be fun. We're sitting down with Chad, um, uh, Chad Braverman, who is the yeah. CEO, COO, rather, of, uh, of Doc Johnson. Do you know what Doc Johnson is? I do now. I just went down a huge rabbit hole <laughs> on Instagram and it was very entertaining. We are going to be talking about sex toys. 
And other Lots things too, toys. I'm sure. So many sex toys. Sex toys I've never seen before. Oh yeah? Like that octopus thing that we looked at? Anyway. <laughs> I, my how eyes does that make like, you feel? How, how, are, you, are, you, are you curious? I, oh, totally. Absolutely. Totally. And there was yeah. also like, um, like almost like a carousel of like flicking tongues that I can only assume the user can like control the speed right. of. Okay. Okay. I guess we'll probably get I've never seen it. these kinds of things sure. before. But, yeah. uh, before we do get into it, uh, Chad, welcome uh, to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Um, Thank give you. Us, Thank give you for us, having me. Yeah, no. Give us a little bit of a, an introduction. Um, uh, who is Chad Braverman? How did you How did you find yourself where you are today, being the uh, the COO of a, a gigantic sex toy company? Yeah, I mean, my origin story is. Uh, I guess kind of a simple one to a degree. I mean, I'm I'm what today's generation calls a, a nepo baby. Uh oh. So <laughs> fucking cancel them. Here we go. Yeah. Fucking fucking get me, man. Uh, no, I mean, I was you know not a lot of people can say that in my industry. I was I was I was pretty much born into it. Um, my dad uh, was from Cleveland, Ohio, which a lot of people don't know. Kind of Cleveland was oddly uh, an epicenter of the adult industry back in the early to mid seventies. No shit. Uh, I think uh, if you just look about location wise, uh, you know, Midwest, easy to get to the East coast, which was primarily where this stuff was, was selling at the time. Um, and then obviously as well, somewhat uh, easy to get to the West coast. Cause you're just kind of in the middle of the country. Right. Um, at the time it was mainly uh, video magazines, Things like that. He just kind of right place, right time, got caught up in um, with some people that were in the business. And he was just a hustler and uh, started working, started uh, in sales and was just kind of running magazines and stuff up and down the East Coast. And he just kind of worked his way up um, different organizations, different parts of the industry. Um, and that all led him to going overseas uh he was in the netherlands for a while and he was in the uk for a while um operating uh retail stores his own stores and one of the things that he noticed uh while he was in europe was just sort of a a more openness to actual product sex toys so to speak and here in the states the sex toys were sort of in a bargain bin they were like shrink wrapped in the back of the store. Yeah. That's not really what brought in the money. What brought in the money were the peep booths, uh, the video booths, and magazines. Right. You know, and so the the adult retailers in the US were not really looking to occupy a lot of space for packaged sex toys. Um, where in the in Europe they were. And so his that's really where he kind of fell in love and kind of decided that that's really what he wanted to do was kind of uh, bring that European um, mindset towards sex toys here to the States. And he moved to Los Angeles and uh, bought a manufacturing facility here, um, a company that was making some sex toys, actually, as well as um, different types of things like fishing lures like the little fishing rubber you know like the little <laughs> yeah, right. things right so basically they had the machinery they had the material they had the know-how but he wanted to take it and 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 make sex toys out of it hmm. um so that business was started in 1976 Doc Johnson which is what it is still today 
Um, and I came along in 1982. And uh, yeah, I mean, you asked me my origin story and I kind of gave you the origin story of the company and, and my dad a little bit, but like, obviously that plays into my part of it because for me, it was something that I was always kind of interested in. Obviously it's an interesting business. Um, and when I graduated, I worked here every summer from basically eighth grade, uh, all the way through high school. Um, I worked here every summer in college. And then when I graduated, it was at that point, kind of a no brainer. It was, you know, it's kind of, I felt like where I was going to make my, going to make my career. And when wow. you say worked here, do you mean like worked, are we talking about like a retail store at this point? Are we talking in like, is your factory. dad running an office? Yeah. Or yeah. a factory? What's that look like? Yeah. So Doc Johnson is a manufacturer. We're like probably the only true real manufacturer in the adult business. Um, in 1976, we, we bought a manufacturing facility and we have been manufacturing over 60% of our product, our entire catalog of 1,600 items is manufactured here in Los Angeles. Um, you know, if I walked out of my office right now where I am, I would be walking into over 250,000 square feet of manufacturing facility. Wow. wow okay. So, so where uh, we, we make about 15,000 products a day here. Okay. Oh. Okay. And, and th this might be getting kind of like ahead of ourselves in terms of the chrono terms of the chronological sort of order of things, but from 1976 being a massive manufacturer up to today, to 2023, where you know, like you can pretty much get everything and anything you need online. Um, at what point was there a shift in Doc Johnson to? Uh, my assumption is that as a manufacturer, you're selling to, uh, you know, selling to stores selling to places that are going to like like stock your product um when when did doc johnson start to actually sell directly from the company like you can go to shopdocjohnson.com right now and and browse the you know the endless endless amounts of products so like when did when did you guys start to actually offer a space for people to be able to go directly to the the manufacturer to purchase uh, for us, we probably started that, I would say, God, softly, maybe like 10 years ago. Okay. Oh. okay. Um, you know, it's something that we do because obviously in today's world, you have to, um, I will say that maybe even to our detriment, sometimes it's not a focus of our business. Like uh, the focus of our business is wholesale. Sure. Um, you know, but obviously you have to have your own retail. Um, for us, it's e-commerce. We don't actually have like our own physical um, retail, but you have to offer people the ability to buy directly from you. Mm. Um, but we don't really, um, I would say we don't really market it too much. We don't really promote it too much. Um, it's kind of one of those things where if you come there and, 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 and that's where you want to buy, then obviously uh, great. But this is a small industry still, really. It's it's very big if you look at the numbers of products. If if you read the sort of like public uh perception of the business, it's whatever multi-billion dollar number they're getting mm. it today. But in terms of actual people, it's pretty small. Mm -hmm. And uh it's also young, you know, like it's a one-generational business. And I say that as a second generation, like I'm kind of the the semi-start of the second generation of this business. And uh 
a lot of relationships were forged and are very important to sort of like the 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 structure of the business. So one of the things that we don't do is really like outwardly compete with our customers. Mm. So right. our our e-commerce is obviously it's there. It's 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 something that you need to have, but it's not something that we're like we're not only direct to consumer. Right. The majority of our business is business to business. Right, right. And as it has been since the very beginning. Um, yeah. that's, that's really, that's really cool. And, and just like, you know, I sometimes like nerding out about business stuff. So it's just kind of interesting. Oh, me too. I'm like, okay, so there's gotta be like a small department dedicated to online sales and they have their own shipping. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm just like working it out of my head yeah. and not wanting to, I, I'm, I'm dying uh, to know though, like as like, so, so when I, when I was, uh, when I was 18, I, I, my, one of my first jobs ever was working in a store that probably Doc Johnson probably like we probably stocked your shit. Uh, it was called Excitement Video. I mean, I don't know if you guys shipped to like Canadian, <laughs> Canadian like sex shops, but um, it was a sex shop. Uh, we sold toys, we sold lingerie, we sold magazines and and DVDs. Um, maybe I guarantee you that there was Doc Johnson. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah. so I was I was um, I was selling Doc Johnson. Uh, I I got Employee of the Month, uh, my first month there for upselling the most. Congratulations! Food. Thank you, thank you, thank you. One of my biggest accomplishments in life. Um, and uh, but I'll I'll tell you this: it was being eighteen, working in a sex shop. It was like. It was fucking hilarious for me and my friends, you know, like it was like sure. it was the thing that was like really funny. And like, because again, back in like whatever year this was, 2000 and 2005, like it was it was naughty. It was it was much more taboo than it is today. And even still today, it pro- probably still is for for young for young folks. So like as the guy whose dad was the founder of Doc Johnson, what how did that like how do you think that that kind of played into your youth um what well, i mean i guess like if, if it, it's in family it's in your family so it's like it, it's it's all you've ever really known but did it lead to you know interesting conversations with like with friends or like what did your friends parents think or anything like that like how did how did the sex toy industry kind of play a role in your social life as you were coming of age I'll give you sort of like a very, I guess, a long answer, maybe. Please. Because um, it, it, it's sort of impossible to answer that without kind of going back to, I guess, what I thought my family did. Right. How I found out, when I found out. Because, <laughs> okay, okay. you know, part of, uh, you know, the, the most important part of this to remember is I'm, I'm 41, right? So when I was growing up, when I was, uh, let's say, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, sort of getting into those years where I understood a little bit more about what sex was. You know, I'm sure if you kind of told me what a sex toy was, I would have gotten the concept of it. Um, but there was no internet and uh, there was no ability for me to find information out on my own. It was, you know, really a time where information was either given to you or you kind of didn't have it, so to speak. So like, when I was growing up, my dad lied to me and to a lot of people in our lives uh, about what he did. Mm. You know, I think mainly because uh, of my school and stuff, like he didn't want me to be ostracized um, and sort of like judged by kids or by parents mm-hmm. um, and obviously wanted to give me, you know, best possible chances in terms of like my childhood. 
And obviously he had that ability, right? Like he could tell someone what we told everybody was we were in uh, private labeling of medical devices. Huh. And, you know, it's just like, it's kind of a boring story and no one really cares to ask more questions. It's <laughs> uh -huh. like, that's what we do. But it also makes a little bit of sense for, you know, that it could be a big business and could be lucrative because my, my dad at that time, you know, we were, he was pretty well off, honestly, mm. like this business grew very uh, quickly and he was pretty successful. So, yeah. you know, kind of like figuring out all those questions and I didn't care about medical devices. So I never really asked follow-ups mm. to that, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, all right, whatever that is. Like, and if I ever did ask follow-ups, it was like, Oh, syringes and, you know, Sure. gauze bandages and the plastic <laughs> and packaging and you know whatever it was so, you know what i you know what i do love uh, about that though is that is that i mean t like at one point in in recent history he wouldn't have been lying yeah you know like like the, the dildo was sure. originally a medical device um yeah. which i and think is, to, I think is fucking brilliant them, uh, <laughs> we used to call them marital aids so, yeah. yeah that's right yeah, back yeah. in the day that was the uh that was what that was yeah. what they were kind of called but yeah. um but yeah so so i started to piece things together sort of along the way right like obviously as you get a little bit older it's a little bit harder to keep information um when i was probably like eight or nine years old probably old enough to kind of know that there was something going on, but not old enough to know what it was. I, I did come to my dad's office with him. And, you know, my mom at the time was very much like, uh, you know, keep him in your office and just kind of like, you know, don't let him go around everywhere. Mm. And, you know, obviously my dad did what, what, what you think he did, which was kind of take me everywhere immediately. <laughs> And Behold, all of this one day will be yours. <laughs> but it was more of like tr showing me off to people, not explaining to me what he did. Right. So yeah. like it was like more like, hey, my son's here, you know, type thing. And and uh, I. I remember that, like, I was of the age that I knew that I had a penis, like boys had penises and girls mm -hmm. had vaginas. And I knew that I had a penis and, and, and whatnot. And then I, I just like, I knew that like my dad had a lot of them, like <laughs> all over the office. <laughs> but I was also, maybe it was like a sixth sense that I like, wasn't very, like very much like, why do you have penises all over the place? You know, like I didn't question him. I didn't like, ask. like I wasn't like up in it and being like, I'm so confused. Why do you have penises in your office? And I never really kind of brought it up to my mom. I never really brought it up to anybody, honestly. And I kind of just like had that in there. And then over the years, I would hear a little bit more and a little bit more. And there was a time where I think I had kind of pieced it together. And uh, one day a friend of mine was over my house. And at the time I had an older stepbrother. And my dad was the only dad that didn't have a job that everyone understood. You know, like I had dads, I had friends whose dads were like doctors or dentists or real estate agents or lawyers or, you know, things we knew. Mm. And like my friends were always, I think, a little bit confused about like my dad being like import export, you know, or like whatever it was. <laughs> right, right. And uh, like there was times where I thought he was like in the mafia. Yeah. Um, and so my, my friend asked me again, sort of like clarification, like, what's your dad do again? 
And I told him the medical devices thing. And my stepbrother was there and he's like, that's not what your dad does. <laughs> and I, I knew like in my back of my mind, I was like, yeah. I know what I'm about to hear, but like, it's gonna, it's also like, I was aware enough to know this was like the first time I was going to hear it for real. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what, what, what's he do? And he's like, your dad makes fake dicks and vaginas. <laughs> and that's like one way of putting it. Right. And I was like, and then my friend was there. We were like 13. So like, of course, like you were mentioning, like when you were 18, like it's hilarious. But when you're 13, I mean, you're, a, you're just an idiot. Right. You know, yeah. like everything's, everything's like penis, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. whatever. So like, when he told us that, like, my friend was like, what? You know, and like, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, I was super embarrassed, but I didn't want to say that I was sure, embarrassed. Sure. Uh, and then, obviously, my friend went and told everybody. <laughs> it's like, I went, to, I, went to school on, I went to school on Monday, and yeah. everybody was like, your dad makes fake penises? Because, <laughs> like, I don't think we even really knew what they were for. Like, right. I, I got the concept to a degree, but also, like, none of us that were, like, sort of joking about it if you had really sat us down and been like what is someone using a fake penis for right right like i don't yeah. think we would have been like oh for sexual stimulation it, it's a collectible you know I guess? like yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 like it was just like one of those things so yeah. but yeah i mean so i think that because of like my how i found out and also how i protected it part of me grew up probably very different than your average person who thinks that like I don't know, sex is funny or that sex has this um, sort of immature aspect to it. Don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, at certain ages, that was my mentality as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that part of this uh, made me grow up with a, with a sort of a very, uh, I would say, more mature outlook on sex in general, totally. just because, like, I looked at it as, like, sex is my business sex is our business and like whatever's happening with it whatever my dad's doing like this is how our life is lived mm. you know so i think that there was a part of me even probably well beyond my years if i look back at it now to say that i thought this way of just like i was very protective of it you know like i was very much like well okay this is what my dad does and this is okay because look at what this is providing for me and like, this is my dad's livelihood and therefore sort of like my family's livelihood. So I was always very, um, and then also I'll say that like when you're here and I did start working here from a really young age, um, don't tell the cops <laughs> if, uh, it's kind of something that is so in your face that it, it loses its luster very quickly. Yeah. Like all that other stuff just kind of goes out the window way quicker than you think. Mm. And like, it's just, it's a business. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like this is our business. 100%. It's very fun and obviously extremely sexual by nature. But like at the end of the day, like if we don't do what we need to do for like this business, it doesn't just survive on its own. Mm. Mm -hmm. So like that whole sort of aspect of it kind of like, I would say it dissipates really, really, really quickly when you're here to an odd degree where you're like, so, <laughs> right. uh, I don't know, what's the word for it? Like immune to sort of like the, 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 
the funny side of sex. Right, right. What what would you say is the biggest shock to you? Um, finding out that your dad was selling fake penises or finding out that Santa was not real? Oof, that's a good question, probably man. Well, let's year. see this. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably, probably happened years, the same yeah. year, yeah. <laughs> no, Santa happened earlier. I'll tell you why. Because I'm I'm half Jewish and half Catholic. And uh, my dad's the Jewish side. My mom was the Catholic side. And my my dad's mom uh, ruined Santa oh, for me. No. <laughs> because fucked up because she was kind of pissed i look back at this now and i say to myself it was really fucked up but she was kind of pissed that i as any kid would be was way more into everything that the catholics were doing than i was what the jews were doing i mean first of all my mom's italian my my mom was italian catholic so like yeah the food is better the holidays are better (laughs) everything's better Right. Uh, so when you're a kid, it's like you're celebrating this section so hard. Yeah. And then over here, you're like, oh, cool. I get to fucking spin this dreidel and like yeah. eat this fucking dry ass potato, shredded potato thing <laughs> that like somehow isn't better than hash browns, but it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, and so, like, yeah, my grandma on that side, mm. she kind of fucked up Santa for me early. <laughs> Because she was mad about something that I wasn't doing that was like part of the Jewish uh, tradition. Yeah. And uh, she was like, she's like, you know, you believe in something that's not even real. Oh, no. <laughs> Ouch. So honestly, I, I, I probably got to go with Santa, man. That yeah, was a fucking yeah. huge moment for me. But it's a lifetime that was of, a huge, of disappointment that was after that. Fucking hilarious. Adulthood. I love it. Also, Santa was like a bomb dropping, whereas, like I said, the sex stuff was something that I did start piecing together. Mm-hmm. Like, I overheard someone talking to my dad one time about a store in L.A. here called, uh, it used to be called La Sex Shop. Mm. And, like, someone was telling about a missed order or something, and, like, it had the word sex in it, you know? And it was like things like that, that I started to piece together. So it's like, that was more of like investigative reporting. Mm. Yeah. Whereas like Santa was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I love that story. That's really, that's <laughs> that really is a funny. really good story. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, you mentioned a couple of times there that you, you, I think the word you used was protective. Is that the wrong? Is that the wrong? Did you hear that too? protective you felt protective a little bit of yeah it was that like did you feel like you had to be like on the defense for what people might say or think or do like did that come from like like a defensiveness or or yeah I mean I think if you look at the history of the industry it's 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 really interesting obviously I mean this is an industry that is completely legal and was being and was trying to be torn down from like the minute it started you know so and that's part of how the industry grew together and why it is still um, sort of the way it is. I had mentioned before, it's a pretty small industry, uh, very dependent on relationships um, is because when this industry was in its infancy, it was very much uh, sort of grouped together to fight and the, and, 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 and to fight for sort of the legitimacy of this business and for the growth of this business and for the survival of this business or kind of like die alone. Right. If everybody in this industry looked at each other as like competitors and competitors only, I, I really don't know where this industry would be today. Um, because the government was trying to shut this industry down, zoning laws, regulations, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, 
you know, a lot of people think, and they're 100% right, this industry has grown tremendously. In the mainstream world, it's not taboo anymore. Really, you can have this conversation with anybody. Um, you know, I don't know what the number is today. 87% of people have used or own a sex toy, et cetera, et cetera. But even today, like anybody in my industry cannot bank with a major U.S. bank. Mm. Um, I can't get insurance from major U.S. insurance carriers. Um, uh, you know, you name it down the line. It is still, still very, they make it very difficult, way more difficult than almost any other industry in the world to just do business, mm. right? You can't get loans the same way. You can't, uh, you can't do, uh, and you cannot use all of these tools that are given to a lot of other entrepreneurs and a lot of other business people in the world for this industry. So as mainstream as it is, and as much as everybody would like to have this conversation and as many sex toys are being bought and as many sex toys are being used, uh, the truth of the matter is, um, there's still a lot of work to do and there's a lot to still protect. Mm. And so for me, yeah, like I was always pretty protective of this industry and it's always meant a lot to me. Um, and it means even more to me now because I said before, it was kind of like my family's livelihood, but now it's my family's livelihood. Mm. You know, like I have two kids, you know, this is what I do. Um, you know, this is what, this is what my career is. Um, and so you know, it's something that it is still a daily fight, you know, to sort of be like, we have a legitimate business here, you know? So, um, yeah, it is something that I'm, that I'm still sort of very protective of. I mean, I don't feel in my day-to-day -day conversations like I'm judged anymore. And to be honest with you, I really wouldn't even sit here and sort of like sob story that I ever was. I really feel like I never really experienced that side of the business. Um, I cannot say that I've ever told anybody that what I've done or what my families did, that was kind of like, I don't know, turned off or got really weird mm. or sort of like shut me out. Um, honestly, 99% of anybody I've ever told has like leaned, leaned forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like they're like, say what? What, wait, what do you do? And like, giving me their address, you know, to send stuff to, and, <laughs> you know, and uh, honestly, I, I, I joke that we used to lie uh, so that people wouldn't like judge us. And now I lie. So people don't talk to me. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Boundaries. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, it's I, just like, yeah. Cause like if I tell people what I do now, like a dinner party, it's like, it's all anybody wants to talk about, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I feel kind of sometimes like, Oh my God, I wish I had just told them I fucking private labeled medical devices. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you're going to be sending out, you know, like 15, 15, 12 inch cocks to, to everybody that was at the dinner party, just to, yeah. you know, just to quiet As them a up. Thank well, you. by the way, if you yeah, do yeah. ever ask me for a gift bag, yeah. you will get a 13 inch <laughs> cock in that gift bag. All right. Well, I'll be asking. For that is something that I do no matter what, yeah. because I know that people feel yeah. bad. They don't want to just throw it in the trash. Yeah, yeah. So now they've got to kind of hang on to a 13 inch cock. I found one in and an apartment just... that I moved into one time. Do you remember this in Toronto? No, I moved into an apartment and the that. only thing in it was um, a, a dildo in a package up in the top shelf of I a closet. It, I wonder if it was a Doc Johnson. I probably was. <laughs> well, can, can I tell you, can I tell you a, a quick funny story yeah. about that? So I, I had a friend in college and, and uh, 
you know, she would ask for me to send her stuff or whatever. And I always would send, you know, whatever the fun stuff was, but also I would send just massive fucking dildos and butt plugs. <laughs> and uh, for the same reasoning, I just always felt like most people felt bad and never just was like, I don't want this. I'm throwing this in the trash. Uh-huh especially if they knew me, it was like, they knew the work that went into making it, you know? So they ended up just getting stored in people's apartments. And, uh, and this girl uh, was moving apartments and she had hired movers to come and grab all of her stuff. And her mom also flew in to help her move. And she said that they were in the kitchen doing something. They heard like a big crash. And then the way that she said it was like the undeniable sound of a vibrator on hardwood floors. Oh, yeah. So her and her mom ran it. She's like, (laughs) I already knew what I was running into, but I still had to run in there. And they ran in. And I guess she had packed all of these sex toys in a big box, but she had also put like a lube bottle in there. The lube spilled. Oh, no and soaked the bottom of the box so when one of the movers went to go pick up the box a bunch of soggy dildos but it was like huge 13 15 inch dildos butt plugs this big just stuff that wasn't hers but there's what are you gonna say there's no getting out of that story right like so she said that she literally just walked out of her apartment like left her mom and the movers in the apartment and she's like i just left like i did not know i did not know what else to do that is so funny with a vibrator just wiggling on a hardwood floor (laughs) i mean i don't know that fucking cracks me up more than anything in the world that's a good one what i i'm I'm curious to know like you know so you you kind of gave us the the outline of your of your origin story. And when you started by working, um, you know, working out of, out of, out of your, your dad's business as a, as a young boy, um, fast forward to today, you're the, you're the chief operating officer. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering like, what, what did, when did you get into that role? What was the, and, and like since being the CEO, COO, um, what has like what kind of shifts have you seen the company go through or what kind of shifts have you guided the company to uh to to find where you guys are at today in like a you know a competitive market you know rise in tech like got to kind of stay ahead of the curve so like what 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 did that look like for you coming into this role yeah i mean good question i so when i started here i started in the shipping department um, I went from there to production. Um, I went from there to, let's see. I mean, I've worked everywhere. We have a lot of departments, shipping, receiving, production, lab, filling, packaging. Um, when I started working in the office and that was just for me to get a background education on what it meant to be a manufacturer. Because when you are actually a manufacturer, there are a lot of moving parts, right? And again, my job now is operations, overseeing the entire operation of the company, which is not a company that's just an office. It's it's a company of 250 plus people that is like actually making product every day. And there's so many things that go into that and, and, and how that works. Um, so sort of the first 
five or six years that I worked at this company was just all sort of like laying the foundation uh, of what this company is and like what this company is built on, right? Because sort of none of us exist without that. Um, and then when I when I started working sort of like, let's say at the, at the more front office level, um, I worked in purchasing for a long time. Purchasing led me to working to a degree on some of the creative of the company, mm. um, product development, things like that. And then I would say that at that time, I was getting a lot more confident just sort of in like my myself and, you know, my business acumen and, and I guess a little bit more confident in what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when I sort of really realized that like development and sort of the creative, because I'm also the, I'm also the, so I'm the COO of the company. I'm also the CCO of the company. Mm-hmm. So my job today, let's just say, is like overseeing all of the creative for the company in its entirety, as well as all the operations of the company in its entirety. And that was the thing that I, I knew that I uh, just connected with, right? When I started doing that part of it, Um, really love creating products, really love figuring out ways to sort of package those products and market those products to the end consumer. And I really love the intricacies of the way that the company works and the Mm -hmm. operational aspect of the company. Um, you know, for me, uh, sales is not my strong suit. Yeah. You know, like I knew that I, 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 I found that out pretty early on. Like, I'm not a great, I'm not a great salesman. You know, I can do it. I know the product really well. And obviously as sort of the head of the company and ownership of the company, you, you have to also be a salesman of the product, but like specifically, I, I, I knew that I really liked to sort of dive into sort of like the creative Mm. of, of the company. So that is where I really just like, I I was working under somebody at the time and just kind of learning the ins and outs, trying to understand the business a little more where the industry was headed. And, you know, one of the things that I felt early on with this company was like, I mentioned it before, it's a one generational company. Now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done this if it was a 10 generational company, but I will tell you that there was something super exciting for me coming here, knowing that this company had gone a great distance, but had so much further to go, Yeah, you know, and that I was sort of like that bridge, you know, sort of that link to like the next generation possibly, because I'm an only child, um, or I should say I grew up an only child, like I have a stepsister now, um, but in terms of like my dad's only son or only child, that's me. Mm. So there was definitely a little bit of like a pressure that I put on myself where it's like, well, if I don't do this, I don't, I don't know who does. And so then the company probably gets sold at some point in time. And then it's just gone. It's, it's, it's no longer, you know, in the Braverman family. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was a pressure that I put on myself for that. And also, a welcomed pressure because I really did feel like there was a lot to do. Like when I came in, it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. There were not like sort of like the brand equity and the ability to sort of like market your brand and your products the way that we can today. So I would say that's been sort of like my mark over the last 10 years that I've put on the company is like operationally, it gets a little boring, but I can say that like the way that we manufacture today versus the way that we manufactured 20 years ago is night and day 
Yeah. I mean, sort of like the, the efficiencies, the machinery that we use, the processes that we use today, I feel like I've had a very big part in sort of upgrading those from sort of a very antiquated way of doing it. It was the right way of doing it at the time, but it was not the way to do it in, you know, 2023. Mm. Um, and then creatively, I think we were, we were a company that was sort of like, we were, I would call us a company of products. And today we're a company of brands. Mm. So, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, we were a company that had like 1600 items. And all of those items were sort of like individual items, mm. individually packaged, individually named and individually branded. Today, if you look through our catalog, it's like, this is our brand for strap-ons and harnesses. Mm. This is our brands for vibrators. This is our brands for masturbators. This is our brand for anal. This is our brand for BDSM and kink. So that way we can take a really large company that's very hard to market to everybody yeah. and segment it down to actual markets. So when we create a brand for a specific market, we know what the ethos is behind that brand. Mm. Because the ethos behind Doc Johnson is like sex toys for all. Right. Right? Like we're not for men. We're not for women. We're not for lesbians. We're not for gays. We're not for straight. Like we're not for white. We're not for black. We're for everybody. If you look at Doc Johnson, we're just for everybody. Mm. Like we make 1,600 items in every category of the business. So I found that confusing and also as marketing and promotion became really important in our business as it became really saturated, I honestly did not know how to market Doc Johnson anymore. Right. Like it became really hard to market a product over here that was for uh, a, a woman between the ages of 18 and 35 that liked, uh, you know, clitoral stimulation and then this product over here that was for a gay man, uh, you know, and these two products had nothing to do with each other. So mm. I think the main thing that I wanted to do was make Doc Johnson a house of brand. Mm. Right, right. And then, then you, can, you can peel off these brands and sit down with your team and say like, okay, who's this brand for? Why are we making it? Uh, who's it selling to? How do we market to that market? And, you know, how do we... How do we attack this brand in this specific area? So I think that, yeah, I mean, th those are the two things that I, I think if I was going to be like, pat myself on the back for a second or say like, I feel like are my sort of contributions to the company over the last uh, decade, it would be, it would be that. Right. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, I mean, like the looking on the website now, just like looking at some of these brands, one that one that like really piques my interest, which I, I've always thought was kind of fascinating is like the um, like the signature cocks or like the signature strokers. So like these, these dildos, uh, or these like, you know, these, these like, like pocket pussy strokers that are, that are molded specifically from, uh, specific adult performers, adult performers. Right. Um, which I mean, like, I think it's just the most brilliant thing. Like it's, it's such a great idea. Um, is that like, is that a big seller? Are signature cocks like a big thing? Huge. So that I can't take credit for. I can take credit for the way that they're uh, packaged and, and sort of promoted today. But um, we, Doc Johnson invented molding adult performers in, no I want to say 83, wow. maybe 84. Um, we molded the first ever performers, um, John Holmes, who sort of like Dirk Diggler is based off of and Boogie Nights, um, Barbara Dare and Ginger Lynn, who were kind of some of the first, uh, let's call them like contract performers for Vivid Video mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and we were the first company to ever do that. Wow. And it's been one of the biggest drivers of our business ever since. That's so um, cool. Now, partly I will say it's because we just kind of own that corner. Not a lot of other people do it. And, and, mm. and mainly why? Because there's, they're not manufacturers. You know, so when, we, when a guy or, 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 or a girl comes in here and gets molded, we do it here in this facility. You know, like we actually cast, you know, their, their genitalia. We're at, we actually have a molding going on right now um, while I'm doing this. Uh, we have two, uh, performers here today and then we're working on that. Like that, this is, we're working with our hands here so that we're molding that person. We're going through all the processes, which there are many, we're making the molds and we're putting those on our production line and we're pouring the material right here in Los Angeles. So most other people, because they're not, and they have no experience working with their hands it's kind of impossible for them to go and mold somebody. Right. Right. They don't really know how to do it. And then they're just sending it. Then they're basically just sending a mold off to China to have it made. So it's kind of a corner that like we, we, we just kind of own that corner. Mm. And uh, so 
So yes, they're great sellers, but also like if you want to buy a molded performer product, 99% you're buying it from Doc Johnson. Yeah. I, I mean, how, can, can I ask like, how, how do you do it? Cause like, you know, obviously, obviously the guy's cock has to be hard uh, to, to get like an accurate mold of, of, of the, the toy. So like, well, I mean, I guess it's the same fucking question as like, how do you stay hard on set? Uh, which is, that's what, that's why. No, it's not. It's harder. Okay. It, okay. The truth is it's, it's, it, 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 no, it's not. And you're, you're on the right track there. It's harder actually, no pun intended. Um, because on set, look, the truth is right. There's stimulation, you know, sure. and, and there's, uh, there's stuff happening and it's, um, most of the time that the guys are getting or staying hard, it's, they're engaging in sexual activity. Right. Here, we're asking the guys to get hard, you know, with, with nothing but self-stimulation in a pretty sterile room and environment, and then staying hard for quite a while without any stimulation at all. So to answer your question, the truth is the guys really don't stay hard. That's the truth. And if you look at the process of taking their mold from what we end up actually casting to the end product, there is a ton of labor involved in that. And we have a, we have a, like a master sculptor here on staff. She is truly like an artist in, in, in clay sculpting. So what she'll do is she'll take a product. Let's say the guy, especially the guys in our industry, right? They're known for being big. Mm. So let's say a guy comes in here with a nine or 10 inch dick, and then we cast them and, you know, let's say half, flaccid half hard it's like five inches or maybe it's like six inches right well we can't sell that product so (laughs) what she'll do is in the clay process of it she'll take it from sort of the six inch to the nine or the ten inch and we do that with a series of pictures that we also take of the performers and so she is working that product and creating that skin texture the veins any other type of detail that's involved and adding it into the clay and, and creating and creating the product. What a job. That's amazing. I, I wanted I will to say ask- on the female performers, it's a lot easier, but mm. sometimes we also lose detail there too. And, and she will also go in, fix labia that maybe wasn't a hundred percent perfect mm-hmm. or lost a little detail. And she goes in and she fixes every little minute detail. That's unbelievable. Are there other instances in which the adult like performance industry crosses over with the sex toy industry or would you call them all? Is that all one industry? Are we just talking about the sex industry? Oh, depends on who you asked that question. Um, No, I would honestly say they're very separate. Like there's sort of what we would call the content side now, which when I was growing up used to be called the video side, but video doesn't exist anymore. So we'll call it the content side and then sort of like the product side. Mm. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're massively different. Um, There's really nobody that sort of crosses over. I don't really know of anybody that sort of plays in both worlds, so to speak. Um, People from the content side have licensing deals on the product side. And then individual performers from the content side have licensing deals. Um, But Truly, they are separate. Like, they really are. The people that are in the product side, 
that's what they focus on and that's where they stay. And then the people that are on the content side, that's where they stay. I would say a company like ours, like Doc Johnson, is probably the most in the middle or or we're nowhere near the middle. But like I, I meant to say, like we're like we we're, we're more fluid because obviously it's very important for us to continue to work with the biggest and best performers from the content side mm. for for the for the licensing deals that we do for the signature Cox, for the signature strokers. And for our sort of like premier product, which is main squeeze. So when you say licensing, that would be like specifically what we're talking about with like the casting and the products that are modeled after performers. But what about like, do performers perform as like ambassadors for a particular product? Like that maybe they use in their content and it's some sort of crossover advertisement for Doc Johnson or or like, you know, how Lululemon will pay a yoga teacher to like wear their clothes, like that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So we've done that before. And and we do have uh, performers that have signature products, so to speak. Right. So um, we just molded a we just molded a, a, a really uh, big male performer. His name is Owen Gray. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. using this as an example, like one of the things that Owen's known for in his content is um, using a wand mm-hmm. uh, on the, on the women while having sex. And I think it's, it's like, it's like his signature product. Like I think every single one of his scenes, he is incorporating a wand into the scene. Okay. So we're making Owen his own signature wand. Oh, fucking sick. Cool. You know? So like that is something where I think when there's, when it's really a tie-in, then we go for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've had performers in the past who I think like are, let's just say, really known for anal or butt play, right? So maybe an anal trainer fits into their persona because they really promote anal play. Mm-hmm. So maybe someone's watching their videos that's never really done anal sex before. So then they will promote, like, here's how you engage in anal sex. You know, you use this anal trainer, you go from small to medium to large and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe we pair that with like a lubricant Mm. because you need lubricant for anal play as well. So there's, there are definitely ways in which we can build that into a licensing deal with a performer, but I think it's gotta be, at least our mentality is, it's gotta really be part of their persona. Yeah. Otherwise, all of our performers are what we call Doc Johnson ambassadors. So, yes, they promote Doc Johnson sort of like as a whole in terms of like for their sex toy needs. Mm. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dying to know um, what your thoughts are on like the future of sex toys. Um, you know, I feel like it's been in the not so like not so long ago um you know like a vibrator was kind of the 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 most techy kind of thing you could go for um and then but then we you know once we started seeing toys come out that were like bluetooth enabled and and you know being able to be used by partners from from abroad and and like this kind of more interactive uh sort of technology being implemented into toys um 
what are you what are your thoughts on the future of sex toys? Like what are your thoughts on the future of tech and sex toys? I, I think they're sort of one and the same, you know? I mean COVID was a, an interesting, you know, time period for everybody, of course, but for our industry, it was interesting because uh the sex toy industry exploded. Mm. Um and I think that there's a lot of people who could say that like there maybe one of the good things about COVID was that it like sort of like super speeded a lot of ways that we work and live and kind of like do things that maybe we would not have done for a few years if we weren't sort of forced into it. Mm-hmm. And I think the same can be said uh, for the sex toy industry in the sense of like, I think that look, there's always new materials. There's always going to be new tech on a simplistic level, new motors, Mm-hmm. There's going to be, there could be new ways of creating vibration that are going to create new sensations. You know, there's things that we're working on right now that sort of fall into those categories. But if I'm kind of going to give a more simplistic answer, it's just going to be the way that our products and ourselves connect with one another. Yeah, sure. And it's going to be the ease of that and how quickly that you can pull up your iPhone and FaceTime somebody else on the other side of the world. I think that's going to be the future of like sex toys and connectivity and the way that we're going to be able to use sex toys with each other. I think at the end of the day, most of your sex toys are still going to be used the way that they're used today, Mm -hmm. right? In person, in your bed, alone with a partner. And that's going to continue forever and ever and ever and ever. And yeah, we might get stronger motors. We might get better motors. We might get, some new technology that creates a different sensation that we don't feel right now that mimics something that we do in our sex lives. But I think the the bigger thing to look towards is like, it sucks to say for me personally, I don't love this, but we're becoming more um, separated from each other as a world, right? We're Mm. just, we're more on our phones. We're more on our computers. We're more um, isolated than I think we've ever been. And I think if you look at sort of like the gaming world and I don't know, Twitch and all these sort of streaming things, I feel like there's a huge market for that within sex toys. Mm -hmm. And the way that people are going to be able to connect their sex toy to their phone, connect to an app that's connected to their partner in Nova Scotia. And I'm here in LA and it's, Seamless, instantaneous instantaneous. control, and you're using a product and the way that you're using it is controlling the product that I'm using. The way that I'm using the product is controlling the way that you're feeling, the sensation Mm -hmm. on your end, or we're just on our phones kind of controlling the product and and creating sensation and creating uh, stimulation just on our phones. There's a lot of different ways that it can work, and I just feel like it's happening now. It's already there. It's just it's it's in its beta, you know, and I think that that's the main thing that I'm looking towards for the next, you know, decade, you know, uh, I always, a movie that came out when I was a kid that I always kind of reference is like, uh, uh, demolition man. Mm. They like put, like puts on the helmet Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, he was like frozen for all these years or whatever. And he puts on the helmet and like, that's how he has sex. Mm. You know, and he's like, whoa, what the hell was this? You know, but I feel like, you know, all joking aside, like, I think that's kind of what we're definitely headed towards. Yeah, totally. 
I have one last question. Yeah. Um, I you mentioned a couple of values that um seem to be of importance to you with this business, which are the creative and also you you mentioned a couple of times like relationships are really important in this industry and and the community that sort of the small community that's had to advocate for itself. And I'm wondering if this wasn't what you were doing, would those values still be a part of what you would be doing? And do you have any inkling of what you would be doing if you weren't doing this? I mean, obviously I'd like to sit here and say that I hope so, you know, I mean, I can't sit here and say that this sort of like protectiveness about my business and about like, you know, Doc Johnson would, would cross over to another industry that maybe doesn't need it. Um, I have learned a lot about relationships because of what I do, not necessarily came into it that way. So I, I would hope that I would have, learned sort of those same values and those same things in whatever I decided to go into. Um, Doc Johnson for me, like I said, was not a foregone conclusion, but it was something that I did feel if, if I go through college and I don't find something that I'm really, my heart is really, really, really set on where I'm going to come home and I'm going to, you know, sit down with my family and be like, look, this is just not for me. Like, I know that I am meant to explore this area of the world. Then I, I hope, at least I said to myself that I would have the courage to do that. Um, but as I went through my years, I was really interested in business. That's sort of what I focused on. I, I graduated with you know, double major in business management and marketing. So I went into school with this idea that like I was going to be in business somewhere. Um, and, you know, four years later, I hadn't fallen in love with something else out there that I was like, I have to go and explore this. I have to see if this is possible. And I did feel truly that Doc Johnson needed, I don't want to say help, but like I felt like I was really needed here, mm. you know, and that like, I really felt that like Doc Johnson was at, uh, was at the precipice of, or I should say a turning point. Like, was it going to enter sort of like the next generation that I saw where this business was headed or was it going to keep sort of clinging on for like the sex toy industry of the past? And that's really hard because when you have a lot of people at a company that have been super successful, only doing one thing, it's really hard to get those people to possibly evolve into something else. Mm. And I don't know that we would have. So I did feel like this was at the time, like that I made like the right to say, like, this was it for me. Like, if you ask me today, like, what would I have loved to have maybe gone and do? Uh, it, it would just be like a, a silly answer, like a sports agent or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 
something where like I love business and I love sports. And so would I have loved to have combined those two things and like in a perfect world, like if someone said, Oh, I want to be a rock star or I want to be a movie star, like no, I would want to be like a fucking top, top, top sports agent. Okay. That would be like one of like my like one of my like, you know, pipe dreams of like where you could put me anywhere. I think that's what I would enjoy the most. Mm. cool i love that um this is this has been uh, a really like fascinating and and fun conversation um before we before we do sign off here just one last question that i've been dying to ask have you just like for just just for shits and giggles ever just like made a a mold of your cock So, (laughs) (laughs) jesus the christmas party the staff christmas party (laughs) No, it's funny because so the answer is no, and <laughs> mainly because mainly because um, mainly because again, as I explained, how labor intensive, yeah, right, the process is. Um, obviously, so we're like twenty people here at Doc Johnson would all have to be like working <laughs> working on this product, and it would just be one of those things where like, yeah. Uh, human resources i was gonna say someone's gonna call hr (laughs) i don't i don't know if it was ever the best decision for me but we are working on something right now um and you asked me how the business is going to change and there's ways that it's going to change that you don't see right Mm -hmm. and again that's the other part of my business operational and there's so many things that are changing operationally that you just don't see um but there's something that we're working on right now that's gonna i think be one of the biggest game changers that we've ever had here and it's going to be how we mold and cap and replicate performers and it's not even an if it's really a when like Mm. it's it's happening the tech is there um i just need to figure out the cost of how we can do it and make it still profitable for us but like there's an opportunity for me to test be testing this and and as we do Basically, I could finally make this mold right. that I have been dying to make, trust me, because <laughs> uh, it would be my Christmas present to everybody forever. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it, once this comes to fruition, I would be able to do it and I would not need to have everybody uh, aware of it, let's yeah. say. Sure, sure, sure. Cool. Your Jewish grandmother's gonna love that question. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's, I'm gonna tell her Santa. I'm gonna tell her Santa gave it to her. <laughs> Chad, uh, this has been a real treat, man. Thanks for taking time to sit yeah, down. Yeah, guys, and I appreciate us. it. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful. So generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on. 
uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turnmeonpodcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that. Sex toy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.